Hey, what's up? Today we are talking to Brandon Burkhalter, a career drummer who has a lot of experience touring with bands like Polyphia and has a lot of experience as a studio drummer and is putting out some solo music. Let's get into the episode, but first, become a member today for only $3 at patreon.com slash johnnymcbee. Here's what you get. You get some behind-the-scenes writing sessions of my own music. You also get the icebreaker section where I ask the guest before the podcast starts a couple ice-breaking questions. Then you get the after-show recap where I go over personally my thoughts on the conversation that I just had and the main takeaways from the episodes. Then at the top tier, I will do private reviews with you and your band, and you'll have full-time access to me and my assistant, and we'll create a roadmap for you and your band to have your own creative success and your goals, and we'll help you get there. Again, become a member for only $3 on patreon.com slash johnnymcbee, and you'll help support the fastest-growing metal podcast in the world. Thank you. Let's get into the episode with Brandon Burkhalter. I am Johnny McBee, and you're listening to the Burn This World Podcast. Yeah, so I'm here with Brandon. How are you doing today? Hey, good. Nice to nice to meet you and be here, Johnny. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I always love talking to people that I um, have heard of in passing in the music scene, but haven't uh, actually gotten to properly meet. And, um, you know, I watch a lot of different content. I follow a lot of different people on social medias that are, you know, really skilled musicians and and on the drumming side, especially drumming, I um, I started off as a drummer, and so I absolutely love watching drumming. It's just one of my favorite things. Um, and so who was the first drummer that got you kind of like wanting to become what you are now drumming-wise? Dude, that's an interesting question. I think it's cool that you have an appreciation for drummers, by the way. They are just, we, I guess, we are doing a fun instrument. Yeah. Um. Dude, I don't know. I started when I was like 11 and I had a friend uh, who kind of inspired me before that named Colin. Mm -hmm. He would like beat on tables with pencils, but he was really good at it. And uh, I just kind of started doing it because he made it look really cool and I really loved it. Um, but then once I actually got to playing, um, the first drummer that really helped me shape my voice was Dave Weckl. And he's still my favorite drummer for sure. Yeah. And what did, uh, who did he play for? He's uh he's more in the jazz world. Okay. He gotcha. played, he played a lot with Chick Corea. Um, he, you know, did some work with like Diana crawl and Simon and Garfunkel when he was younger. And, you know, he, he's, he's done tons and tons of different, artists and sessions and stuff but you know I, I really like that he's just such a technical wizard and makes his own records and yeah and so what yeah. about how come drummers so you know i started off on drums too around 11 but i went uh, basically directly into just like extreme metal crap uh but how uh, and i i pretty much stopped too early t before i was like you know really learning drums and stuff i was just jamming basically but how come drummers are always so intrigued by jazz drummers why jazz particularly is like the one that drummers are like 
the the inspiration? Dude, that's such an amazing question. <laughs> um, well, the drum set was birthed in jazz, man. I mean, it's, it's only about a hundred in, or sorry, it's, it's only about a hundred years old, you know, um, before that it was like jazz orchestras and percussionists kind of splitting multiple instruments and things just kind of condensed and consolidated and jazz was kind of the first place where drum sets started to evolve and take shape. And it's like, if you, if you learn jazz as a drum set player, it's kind of like learning classical technique for a different instrument. But of course we learn like our, our version of classical technique is like, you know, the colonial rudimental percussion, you know, but then, you know, the application of all of that is jazz. Um, so it's just, it's just one of those things. It's like one of those cornerstone kind of musical rites of passage. Like you, you should learn jazz to fully wield the instrument. You know what I mean? One thing that I, that was really caught my attention on like your, is like one of your most recent, uh, or more recent uploads on YouTube was that you were doing, um, like worship, uh, audition. And so as far as like being a passionate musician, do you feel like performing worship music is like brings out more of your passion than like playing like metal and whatnot? That's such a great question, dude, <laughs> man. Um, you know, in a different way, a hundred percent dude, like, you know, a big kind of, spiritual and emotional and mental epiphany that has been going on in me since I started playing has been recognizing less of the technical exciting things about drums that I've always kind of gone for like notes and the science of it, you know, but when you play worship music, you have to leave all of that at the door and, you know, provide a foundation and have feeling and get out of the way, you know, and I love doing that. And worship really kind of helps to teach one musicality and tone and dynamic and function of the different parts of the kit. Now, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's, it's more about the, the feeling and less about the drumming for worship. Whereas with other music, it's like, I really enjoy the, the playing aspect of it right so you you kind of fit into both realms of you really like the technical aspect clearly um because a lot of the crap you play is insanely technical and difficult but um you also <laughs> very much connect with the passion side of it of just um like be a cohesive part of this unit that has this uh passion driven side of it 100 percent. because that's the job at the end of the day right you know just keep time and hold it down you know right yeah and i mean the, there's some stuff like i'll watch um the person that played drums for michael jackson he has a really sick playthrough of i think it's smooth criminal um on yeah dude like <laughs> they're just watching him play like in the pocket and be so just flawless in these little intricate details that's one thing i love about drumming is the little minute details and just being so solid a hundred percent. And that takes every bit as much effort as playing 300 notes in a minute. Right. It's just, it, you know, letting every note be a hundred percent in a different way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's super important. I, I always say that, um, 
the drummer is by far the most important member of like a band besides like maybe the front man being a good front man. I think the drums is really what is the most important aspect. Um, and would you, would you rather be, cause you're, you're a well-rounded musician, um, from what I can see, uh, you know, and you know, you're really good at a lot of different things. Would you rather be like the best drummer in the world or be a really, really well-rounded musician? I'd rather be the best drummer in the world. Why is that? <laughs> but, well, you know, I think this is also a really great question. I mean, you know, obviously there's so many different facets of professional music, you know, there's recording, there's composition, there's performance, there's teaching, there's music therapy, there's, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, we, we kind of fall into like a niche with our music if we stick with it. Right. And I think my niche has always been performance. I was always the most excited, even when I started, you know, just to, to be a performer and to play the drums and play the instrument. And I've always, I've always wanted to keep that at, at kind of the focal point of my career. Now, not to say that there aren't other skills that complement that, like, you know, being able to network or, you know, having some good social media marketing chops so that you can perform in more places and, you know, having some compositional skills so that you can be a performer that writes your own music, so to speak, you know, just blah, blah, blah. But I, I kind of angle everything around performance, and I, I really do. <laughs> this is so corny, um, but I, I do aspire to be one of the world's best. Hopefully, by the time all this is like said and done, you know, if I'm not, whatever, it doesn't matter. I love it, but you know, yeah, I want to contribute something profound, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's um, in the world of drumming, like what what kind of room is there to contribute? Like what is, is something that can, someone can contribute as a drummer that like takes drumming to another level like that? Oh man. You know, there, it, it just kind of depends on which, which avenue of music I think you're looking in. Right. Like, cause I guess we're kind of geared towards metal with this podcast and I have no problem with that cause I'm a huge metal head and, my roots are metal. The music I write is metal, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think a big thing that's kind of like a common denominator that I hear in a lot of modern metal is like the phrasing, the, the time signatures are often, you know, it's all in four and it's, right. it's like kind of a handful of like grooves or a handful of like types of riffs will be played how does one contribute to the evolution of drumming? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> a big question. <laughs> Sorry. I think I'm well, sure. I, you know, just if you, I don't know. I think if you, <laughs> you just got to have an X factor. I mean, you could, you could go quantify all the like current technical meta of metal, you know, and be like, Oh, well there's an aggregate of 265 BPM for the fastest music. So I'll, Right, my new album at two seventy. I mean, but it won't matter. Yeah, you know, just really find a way to become fluent and have your personality come through your music, and I think that really helps you stand apart. You know what I mean? Definitely. Corny, but 
I mean, it's it's hard. That's not even just like as a drummer, but as a as a band, it's it's very difficult, and it's kind of like the main goal. Like, how do we push the envelope? You know, how, for uh, sure. How do you, how do you be unique? Is yeah, the real question. Exactly. Because the envelope is always being pushed. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, it's not just about going faster. It's about you know doing something that is really changing things up. You know, really standing out and. I guess that's the ultimate individual. Exactly. That's the ultimate question for any creative realm, whether you're a painter or singer, drummer, everything. hundred percent. And, um, how much of, uh, you drumming was like sort of classical training? Like, cause I saw that you also had, um, some reels and of doing like rudiments, like doing proper drum rudiments and whatnot. Oh, well, I was trying to be proper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, Fortunately, I had a really supportive mother. Um, she got me drum lessons uh, when I was 11, and I studied privately for four years with um, uh, some some UNT graduates. They'd studied with Ed Sof, who was uh, just a huge, huge, huge beacon in the drumming world, man. Um, a living legend. He's actually here in Dallas still. Uh, I don't think he's still teaching at North Texas, but... Um, so I did four years of private study um, with Rich Malloy, John Hussey, uh, Steve Pruitt, and Brian Ferguson here in Dallas. And then I went to uh, the Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts, uh, did some study there, and then spent a little time at the Berkeley College of Music as well. Um, so hopefully I know what I'm doing, but <laughs> yeah, you know, the more you learn, the more you can still realize you're kind of figuring it out, you know? Exactly. Like, um, I don't, I don't think any person, uh, has really mastered anything, right? Because there's no end to it because the, the person who's considered the master themselves is also trying to, you know, progress. So they're not, that's right. (laughs) That's right. I like that, man. Yeah. And, um, with, uh, I mean, man, what's of, the stuff that you're playing on the drums. I mean, I, I listened to um, one of your songs of you doing the piano and drums at the same time. Um, whenever you're, or not at the same time, but you know, you're one of your solo songs. I forget the exact name of it. The one with the music video, white background. Um, oh, Emerald. Thanks yes. for checking that out, man. Yeah. So I, I watched your, your video for Emerald and um, you know, the piano stuff is really nice and that's, you know, you're clearly skilled in that, which piano is, uh, very important for everyone to learn. I think drums are really important for everyone to learn too. Even as like a guitarist, you should have an understanding of drums, um, you know, to really be able to stay on and just know what's happening. But um, Mm. like piano and drums, I feel like are two essentials that everyone should have a concept of. Um, And so whenever you're writing this music like Emerald, um, where it's basically, you know, extreme drums with some really like technical piano stuff, like, how does your writing process go in that? Because it's a very interesting thing to listen to. Like I've never heard a song that was extreme drumming with, you know, piano, just those two things. That's completely unique. Um, and so like, what was your thought behind doing something like that? Oh, well, shoot. Thank you, man. Um, dude, I'll be honest. Um, that, so that, that record, that that song Emerald is from a little solo EP I put out called Flourish. And that was my first solo release after Polyphia. Um, and 
That entire EP sounds like it does because that was all I knew how to use and all the tools that I had at that point in time. Yeah. You know, I was used to being the drummer of a band and not being an entire band by myself at that point. So I, you know, had some theory knowledge. I, I've been playing keys. I'm self-taught on keyboard, um, but I've learned theory in school and stuff. So that's kind of how I was able to piece together what I had for that record. Um, but I started writing it on piano. Um, I wanted to write a heavy metal record with guitar and like, you know, I just didn't have the resources. So I just recorded everything on keys and it was like, well, you know, here's the song. I'll write drums to this afterwards. And then I wrote like, you know, MIDI bass, <laughs> like yeah. underneath that. And, you know, um, I'm really excited actually, uh, cause I'm putting out another record this year that actually has, you know, the, the full kind of heavy metal instrumentation with the, distorted guitars and you know all I that. saw you were doing some about. screaming too yeah that 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 was just kind of for fun yeah <laughs> but, but you, maybe we could talk more on that later but you know just to kind of answer your question i guess like the it started with keys and then the drums came after um yeah i mean so basically you were just using what was what you currently had in that moment, uh, because you didn't necessarily have everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But I mean, it's uh, to even have like the, uh, I guess courage to release something that sounds like that. Cause it is so different. Like no one else is going to put out, like I can't imagine anyone else ever putting out a drum slash piano record, like straight up. <laughs> so it's, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want to either. Like I, I didn't, I don't really like how those songs sound. Maybe it's unique, but like, I didn't like, I love the drumming and even the bass is cool, but like, I just don't like piano gotcha. <laughs> for that kind of music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I had a friend who showed me shreddage, which is, you know, the MIDI mm -hmm. guitar. And that was just game changing for my writing and, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the modern world, everything could be done digitally. I mean, even on like the last couple of Browning records, it's all MIDI bass and, you know, MIDI drums and some of the guitars are MIDI. Like it's just, you know, you got to, oh, wow. I, for me personally, I take advantage of that stuff, but I like things that sound like digital. I don't necessarily care if something sounds like natural or not. That's just my personal preference. And so... I'm all about it. And even whenever I was listening to Emerald, I was like, it almost sounded like, um, like, uh, old school, like retro, uh, like boss music. If it was like a synthesizer rather than like a piano, I was like, this could actually be a really sick, you know, boss battle song. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was just fast and impressive, like all of it. And, um, so you. do you have like an, an aspiration to, just become like an overall well-rounded musician, like learn guitar or are you just like solely focused on drumming and composition? Yeah. Well, you know, man, um, personally, I, just for me personally, I really am dead set on, 
I'm the kind of person that I think you should pick one thing and <laughs> I guess you never become a master like you were saying, but become an expert, become yeah. a specialist. I think, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier, and I completely agree with it. Um, I think that every musician should have a fundamental understanding of piano yep. because you need to know melody, harmony, and rhythm, you know? Yep. And I feel like piano is cheating on drums. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's definitely a critical tool for me to have command of, and I'm still working on my piano playing always. You know, it's a, a big hobby, a passion, really. Yeah. But I, I just, re- like, I'm a percussionist, man. I got to really stay dedicated to being a percussionist, um, which even piano technically is a percussion instrument. True, <laughs> yeah. Mallets. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. and string apparently but. yeah <laughs> it's everything yeah i mean uh right. i think i actually get frustrated at myself sometimes because um i am very much so like a jack of all trades i i wish i could get myself to focus on like one thing and get really really good um i'm just like i'm pretty good at a lot of things but i just wish i was like like you said you wish you was just the best drummer in the world i wish i could be the best vocalist or best guitarist. Like, I feel like that's just, it'd be cool to be able to do that. But I just can't get myself. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm ADHD and just, you know, I can't focus, but I, I really do wish I could do something just to like an extreme level. Um, and at what point did you, did you have this realization that like drumming was your thing? Was there a moment that was just like triggered this of like, this is, what I'm going to somehow build a career off of. Mm. I did. Man. um, After my first lesson, I knew, you know, and I wanted to play when I was nine and I used to just like stand in front of my grandma's microwave and look at myself in the reflection when I was a kid with chopsticks in my hand, just (laughs) air drumming before I even knew how to play. I was like, I always wanted to be a little drummer, you know, and you know, what you're saying earlier about how you have all these, like, you have like a palette of skills that you use, you know, and, and maybe those are all developed, but you don't have like one lethal Kung yeah. Fu skill. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's just kind of the name of the game nowadays too, though, man. And, you know, I think even if you are a specialist on an instrument, um, you've got us, you still have to wear a lot of hats, man. You still have to know how to record. You got to know how to write, got to know how to market X, Y, Z, you know, and I I always, I I consider myself really, really, really lucky, really blessed to have known when I was a little boy that I wanted to be a drummer. I just really grateful that I was so set on it. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, like the practice, the daily practice, like in the work that it takes to kind of keep that focus in the middle, oftentimes kind of sucks. It's always fun when I'm doing it, but the action coming before the motivation, you know, yeah. and it's just a little bit of a sacrifice to kind of keep that focus. But it's like, what, what else would I do? You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the dread of being like a creative is like, you can't do anything else besides this one thing that you're you know, so passionate about, um, you can, but it will never be satisfying. 
Um, just gotta work to do anything worthwhile, you know? Exactly. (laughs) It's funny you said you used to use chopsticks because I was the same way. It was, um, I, but I used, uh, wooden spoons as my, my, (laughs) my make believe drumsticks. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was, I, I had some wooden, I have really, um, like vivid memory of, me, my brother is like a year and a half older than me, and of us like sitting in the living room and blaring corn. And I had like wooden uh, wooden spoons. I was like hitting the couch wish, and and he had like an empty viola case that he was acting on as a guitar. We're <laughs> just like jamming. <laughs> yeah, that I have such a vivid, vivid memory of that. But like stuff like that really just made me know that I wanted um, to be a musician, and it was just like a calling, you know, and um. You know, I feel like it's one of those things that once that bites, it's like it's impossible to let go. Um, really, what a beautiful thing, right? And very cool. I mean, uh, so currently, like you said, you're you're on your way to give some drum lessons. Um, mm-hmm. So you've kind of gone full circle. You know, you said that the thing that inspired you was to, uh, or, or that the moment you realized it was whenever you had your first lessons. You're like, this is what I want to do, and now you're the one giving those lessons two people so you've gone for full circle here from like this is what you what inspired you to now you're potentially doing that for other people and what sort of satisfaction do you get from teaching people how to do this stuff man dude you ask great questions by the way thank you <laughs> <laughs> um dude you know i'll be honest man like Nobody, maybe they do. I, but when I, when I was coming up and even now, like my, my dream was never to like, just be a teacher exclusively. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love my students and I'm lucky to have them because they provide financial stability at the end of the day yeah. and they allow me to stay on top of my game. And, you know, it's just wonderful to be able to invest in the community that loves drums by teaching. And that's so important. Um, but it is weird, man. It's like, like I'm the age now that my first teacher was when he started teaching me. Yeah. And, and like a lot of other ways, like, you know, I've kind of become him like a father figure almost. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. Um, and it's, I don't know, like my, my first drum teacher, like I, I came from kind of a, you know, like we had some problems at home, like, you know, dad had passed away and, you know, we had a just, just rough kind of things going on. I think music was like a really great outlet for me and I really needed it. And it was a life changing thing. And my teacher was kind of like this guide for me discovering myself. And, you know, a lot, a lot of students that will come to me are at a pivotal age. Like most of them are, or or at least a lot of them will come to me around like the same age I was when I started. And I just, I don't know. It is a special thing. I try to really invest in them and, and make sure that they're, if they want to be a drummer or not, like at least that they're building skills that will make them successful and that they're able to discover passion and they learn how to work. It's full circle in a lot of ways. And in 20 years, some more full circle things hopefully will happen. Um, Yeah teaching should always be a part of what I do, but um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to kind of, you know, be doing all the other things too with performing, like 
playing in some bands, got my own music and, and stuff too, you know, the, the yeah. teaching's cool, but you know, well, you I know mean, what I'm saying? As, as creatives, like we do have to do literally anything to make money, you know, like, and, um, you know, it's just nice. Cause like you said, teaching does, is something that keeps you up on your chops. Like, um, if I do, if I feel like there's one thing that I am specifically good at, it's songwriting, uh, just as a whole. And so that's something that I personally like to get in and, you know, conversate with bands about or with artists about to try to make their songwriting better. And just by talking about it makes my songwriting better at the same time. So you teaching these people drums really just makes yourself better as well. And it pays the bills. And as musicians, we got to pay them bills. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm teaching and doing cover bands and recording and mm-hmm. playing at church and stuff. And I think that's important to know because, you know, a lot of, like a lot of people, I, I even feel like yourself, you know, like they'll play in like a badass band and be in like on tour and then they'll come home to a job. And when I was in Polyphia at the time, that's kind of what that looked like. Like I'd yeah. have to find a new job every time we got home from tour. Cause you know, it's just, I feel really lucky to be able to make a living playing the drums, you yeah. know, even if lessons are a part of that, it's just the worst day of that is never going to be worse than retail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, it's just, it's wonderful. Cause I can go do my own solo stuff and then I can still, it's like nothing that sucks. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's the goal. Just do nothing that sucks. That's the, for the sure. Goal. <laughs> that's my, that's my goal. <laughs> and so living somewhere like Dallas, um, how, um, how important is that for like your career as a musician? Cause actually whenever I started the Browning full time, I moved to from Kansas city to Dallas to find serious musicians. And so, I yeah. Should, yeah. And so like, how is Dallas a, a, a part of like your career? Well, I definitely think the city you're in has everything to do with the kind of work that you're going to be able to find. And honestly, I would like to be in California and I'm, I'm kind of working towards right now, uh, working regionally between Nevada and California and here in Dallas, yeah. uh, all three great cities. Um, there are a lot of really, really talented, uh, people down here in Dallas and a lot of really wonderful opportunities. It's definitely a city you can make a living in as a musician. Um, Rhode Island, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, you, if you want to make it, you've got to figure out what your goals are. You know, if you want to be a pop artist, maybe get out to LA. If you want to be a singer songwriter, go out to Nashville, you know, yeah. they're, they're like these cornerstone cities. Um, yeah. I mean, dude, Dallas is keeping me afloat, man. It's busy. Um, a lot of gigs, yeah. a lot of people that want to learn, you know, um, and uh, as far as studio work, because you, you are doing like session work for some artists, how how do you like doing that? You know, um, it's cool. You know, it's 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 really awesome. You know, kind of like you're saying, like you'll you'll help with with songwriting, and then it makes you a better songwriter. You know, when I do session work, it allows me to really refine my recording process, and sometimes I'll need to step in as kind of a producer and help. Yeah, you know, give the songs direction and and all that kind of stuff. But I enjoy it. It it's another one of those things that allows me to use my skills and get better at them. In the same time, like stay afloat. You know, it's, it's a great thing. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I think that it's it's cool because you probably can diversify the type of music that you pay, play in quite a bit as well. Um, and the the new solo stuff that you're working on or that is going to be coming out here soon, um, like what is your goal as a solo artist? Well, um, I've always really been passionate about metal and technical music and the technicality of music and instrumental music, you know, um, when I was in Polyphia, we put out a record called inspire that kind of put us on the map and was like a a culmination of a lot of things as a band we were trying to express at the time. We kind of just figured out how to put it all together. And that was like the turning point for polyphia like you know we we got management interest after that record and the youtube things started to happen and then you know everybody kind of has that little that moment like oh it's it's going down like for real you know it's happening um the music we made at that time on that record i thought was really awesome um and so then the record i'm putting out is kind of like it's like it it's technical death metal i think inspire was a little bit gentier yeah uh, it's instrumental um as a solo artist man i don't know i almost want to be like a death metal apologist like <laughs> <laughs> i think if people could hear past the vocals they would discover an extremely inspiring and profoundly impactful art form, you know, um, I love heavy music and I'm really passionate about kind of bringing like the musicianship and intensity, you know, in an instrumental package and, you know, kind of just putting that forward. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like as musicians, um, we're a lot more into instrumental music than a lot of people might be just cause we can hear, we can hear those details. And honestly, I, um, whenever I'm working on Browning music, cause I write a hundred, like all of it myself. Um, I actually do the vocals last and it's like my least favorite part because I work on all these details on the instrumentation and I hate covering it up with like freaking screams. Like really mm-hmm. it, it's something that like kind of bothers me sometimes cause all of this crazy orchestration in the background of this like really sick, like big chorus part, but I have to do vocals over it. Then you don't hear the orchestration and I'm just like, God dang it. Like I, <laughs> I'm always want to hear those details, but you know, songs yeah. need vocals a lot of times. What, what was me too? <laughs> yeah. And what was your, like, who is at the top, uh, as far as creating like really good instrumental music? You know, dude, I don't really know if like my biggest bands in my rotation right now are Surreption, Fallujah and Humanity's Last Breath. Oh, dang. And, <laughs> like uh you know all new school stuff yeah but i really love how technically inspired they are um humanity's last breath will do some instrumental cuts of their records and i think that's really inspiring and really sick yeah um but i haven't really heard an act instrumental like that you know um yeah, and I mean, but, I, yeah, I always, I, I always prefer bands that do a lot less vocals that let the music breathe. I think that that's such an important part of songwriting that a lot of metal bands don't get. 
Like, you really need this music to breathe sometimes. I can't stand it when it's just vocals, 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 like, the entire time. And so I think it's important um, because there's so much energy in the music itself. And like I said, screaming takes away from it sometimes or a lot of times personally, uh, in my opinion. And so and and I've always said, too, I wish that people if you say like, oh, you listen to metal, they're always like, oh, how can you stand, you know, that screaming and whatever? I'm like, well, if you listen past that, it's like the some of the most skilled musicians out there play this stuff. Yeah, it's Bach with distortion. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if you listen to stuff like freaking uh, Flesh God Apocalypse and, you know, this yeah, really dude, melodic. Seriously. Stuff. A lot of Italian death metal, man. Hour, hour of Penance, dude. <laughs> uh, is Septic Flesh from there? Uh, the, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're a great one that's just like that as well. Just like super super technical and just like you said it's like classical music with with distortion it really is and um so with this when, when do you have this solo stuff coming out well we're rehearsing the songs we're at about the two month mark as it stands yeah. and you know i appreciate you having me on this uh, show here so that you know we can kind of create some awareness about it so that's cool yeah. um yeah, and, man. And with uh, with doing this, like you said, as as like a musician, you also have to have a grasp on like how to market something like this properly. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are um, musicians that are trying to figure out how to get their music out there. And so, like in the modern world, like what are your plans to be able to get people's awareness on something like this? What are my plans to build awareness on the record? Yeah, is that the question? Yeah. Well, you know, another great question, of course, you know, and I know that's a huge thing, you know, because the, the last thing you want is to like spend like, like personally, I've spent about four or five years in this record, you know? Yeah. Um, last thing you want to have happen is like, you put it out on the internet and it just sits there and does nothing. and mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you just gotta, you gotta leverage your resources. Obviously social media is an enormous vessel for getting your music in front of people. Um, kind of my process for it, of course, was to, you know, put the integrity in the music and make sure it's good first. And then I, you know, I I got it to a point where I think it's there. Yeah. Um, you know, record it immaculately, do the videography for it, make the videos inspiring and great. Um, you know, kind of treat it like a wedding ring, right? <laughs> in terms of like financial stuff, like you know, six months worth of your income to to get your content is yeah. just as much as you can possibly afford without going into bankruptcy. And you know, involve other professionals in the recording and videography. Don't, unless you are a professional yourself, don't try to DIY all of it at first. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, just get your music out, put it on the internet, play shows, have a band, and, you know, it, it's not hard. Everybody has their own formula for it, but they're, the common denominators are all the same, Yeah, you know? Definitely. I mean, making the content now, especially, like you said, it's, it's a really common theme that a lot of people actually talk about on here with me is... Um, hiring the right people and whether it be, you know, working with the right musicians or hiring the right videographers or like a marketing team, like whatever it might be. 
uh, a really common denominator is get some people around you that are going to help, like properly help things. And so um, people that get it. Right. Exactly. That's huge. Because, man, we did this we did this Dunlop session with Polypia at some big, I think it was like a fantasy studios and Hollywood. Some just like ridiculously lavish over the top, like, like holy shit kind of production. I think it was like 21 or something. And I was walking in there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I thought it was just going to come out amazing. And like the producers were like these multi-generational vetted engineers. Mm-hmm. They were like, gods but then we got the thing back and it just oh and i realized it's because it's not because anybody there wasn't amazing because they all were but none of them understood what we were trying to do yeah and yeah that's huge man what you said about yeah, and I mean, I think that that's a, a big thing with even like current producers and stuff. Some people will hire someone just because they're like a big name, but it's like if they don't have a vision or share a vision at least or understand your vision, then it doesn't matter how big of a producer they are. There's going to be like a mismatch, you know. It's it's very important 100%. to be able to to be able to have that. And um, was uh, since I'm assuming um, you know religion is a big part of your life. Was like the face down era, like a big part of you really getting into metal at all? The, the, like the face down like, era, like the oh, face like down, face down. As they dying and for today, and yeah, for today, okay. impending doom, plea for purging, like all the big uh, Christian bands from back then. Oh, oh no, not at all. Really, I, I just have kind of always needed that in my life, and yeah. I, I'm not trying to be like a Christian musician or anything either. I am a Christian, but in in a secular market, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I always think it's good to like anything like that. I I understand some people are very passionate about like certain things in their life, and they want to like um, I don't know, involve that, or they want to spread the word of something. But sometimes it is it is good to separate the two, you know. Uh, because especially with religion being such a personal thing, um, I think it is very nice to have that separation because it's personal and then your career is a totally different thing instead of intertwining the two. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless unless you're really intentional about yeah. it, you know, I yeah. wouldn't want to hide that from anybody. But oh, for sure. At the same time, I, you know, it's it could. there's a lot of corruption in the church and stuff, and I don't want that to affect you know what someone would view of my music you know oh, what for I mean? sure. yeah for sure yeah and um so i'm really interested are you doing vocal so it's all instrumentals you you just did that vocal video for fun yeah the vocals <laughs> I, you know, were good though thank you very much i appreciate that man um i'll definitely put out some music here and there that has some vocals on it but you know again the focus is always principally on the drum set you know? right yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, you could always do like Dream Theater where they play like a 10 minute instrumental and then the vocalist comes out and sings a chorus and walks off stage. <laughs> like, Well, you know, maybe down the road. True. Yeah, yeah that'd be sick. Like, I, I'd love to like hop to like keys and then like, yeah, 
Yeah, I think you know, that would be awesome. Drum tech play drums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, we uh we toured with Mushroom Head a couple times and um they their original drummer, he's just a bit of an older dude and doesn't have the stamina to do an hour and a half. And so they actually have one of the dudes that plays their water drums come back and play the kit like half the set. And so the original <laughs> drummer's like sitting behind the scrims. Nice. Yeah. Well, there there you go. Yeah. But I mean, it's always so interesting um you know, just talking to people that are, you know, experts at their instrument, but have aspirations to have a career um, as like a solo artist. And I feel like session work and, you know, lessons and all this sort of stuff is just something that really enables that. But the ultimate goal in the end, like you said, is to be performing and be showing your expertise on like a grand stage. Yeah, live your dream instead of someone else's. Because right. the session work and the lessons are all imparting into somebody else's dream. And that's a beautiful thing. And to be an instrument, pun intended, for that <laughs> yeah, is a powerful, worth paying for kind of thing. But at the end of the day, yeah, man, I think the biggest gratification comes from expressing your own vision. And I love that I have the passion to still work on that, you know? For sure. And I mean, I that's how I feel about even... Um, like business, like in my sense, I'm, I'm going to work for myself instead of work for someone else. That's kind of just how I live my life. So it's kind of the, a similar thing with uh, music and is even if someone like, you know, I mean, look at like the Jason new said with Metallica, like he really wanted to start a solo project and Metallica was like, no, you can't do it. And so he quit the biggest band in the world to go start mm-hmm. his own passion project, you know? And so, yeah, if, if dude, it, it's crazy. And I think it's really important for people to chase that, like whatever is going to drive them creatively. I think that people should chase it. And to not be creatively stifled, you know, like that's huge too. You've got to feel like you fully get to be yourself as an artist, you know, or or what's the point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) hundred percent. And yeah, is in the solo record is it's coming out on your, as your name, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect. And um, yeah. I mean, I, I just going through, even just going through your page and watching some of these reels, like you really are just really good. And I just, I love watching drummers really. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm always up on, uh, I feel like I follow more drummers than anything, but it's always just entertaining to, to watch that kind of stuff. Well, thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here talking to me and I, I'm interested to hear it, but uh, you know, maybe take that emerald song and then make it like an eight bit synthesizer. And then you just got straight up like retro video game, boss battle music. I got to hear that. Do that for me. That'd be a sick rehash, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta, gotta figure out that VST to get, there we go. You'll do it. (laughs) Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, dude. I can't wait to hear the music. Thank you. And thanks for having me, man. Hope you have a good day. Of course you too. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening all the way through that episode. I appreciate it so much. Make sure you leave a five-star review on whatever streaming platform you're listening to. And also head over to patreon.com slash Johnny McBee. Become a member and hear the exclusive after show recap. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next one. Peace out.